I want to begin with just a, a word of caution uh, as it relates to this series. If you're new here today, we've been in a series for about four weeks now called Me, Finding the Real You in a Culture of Self-Deception. And um, there are people, let me just say, first of all, the feedback I'm getting from you guys is very, very helpful. I'm getting a lot of feedback from people trying to raise children in this crazy environment today. I'm getting feedback from people working in this crazy environment today. And, uh, and it's good feedback. It's feedback that says, Pastor, thanks for providing some guidance. Thanks for the church talking about this stuff. But how many of you know there are a lot of Christians who just think we should just stop it? Just don't go there. Just be nice. It's, it's not worth even bringing up. Um, don't talk about these controversial things. In fact, there are some people who think the worst thing that the church can do is ever make anybody feel guilt. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and wrong and perversion and guilt is not a bad thing. Guilt just means you're not living the way God designed you to live. Guilt is actually a good thing if it points you to Jesus and to forgiveness. So this whole idea that we just don't want to make anybody ever upset, that's not the gospel. In fact, Jesus says you can't even get saved until you're, first of all, upset. You say, Pastor, where's that in the Bible? Well, Jesus said you have to repent before you can enter. Nobody likes the news of repentance because that means change. That means God saying your behavior is not acceptable to him. And so who likes to hear that message? But you can't even join the club until you've been offended. And the problem with much of the church today is we're trying to get supernatural results in people's life apart from preaching the gospel. Now, some people say, just preach the gospel. Well, what gospel are you talking about? Most people's gospel starts at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But, I mean, no, that's not where the gospel starts. The gospel starts in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. And we're talking about identity and so here's what I want to ask you guys as Christians. Does it matter to you that the current culture is trampling what God has to say about reality all the way back at the start? Does that bother you? Or, or do you just want to stay in church and pretend like everything's great out there? Let, let, let me share a verse that I have found to be very helpful. It's Ephesians chapter 5. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along with me. Ephesians 5.11. Do not participate in the worthless and unproductive deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. By How do you expose them? By exemplifying personal integrity, moral courage, and godly character. So if the culture is going south, our job is not to go along with it and smile because we're Christians and wear nice buttons. Our job is to expose wickedness. Because we're salt and light. How many of you know we don't need salt and light in the church because we're full of salt and we're full of light? The salt and light need to happen out there. That's where you will not win a popularity contest for standing with Jesus. I just need to be clear about that. Jesus did not die from a bear hug. He was crucified. And the reason they crucified a perfect, sinless, awesome most perfect human being who ever lived is because he stood for truth. And if you stand for truth, listen to me, you will be persecuted. And not everybody will like you. Now, I'm not voting this for you. I'm not encouraging this to happen. I'm just telling you, this is a sign that you're living the gospel. If everybody loves you and gives you pats on the back, you're probably running for office. You're not running for as a Christian, all right? Um, People are not always going to like people that stand for truth. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying we're going to be mean or nasty or rude or anything like that. The things we're talking about here are painful things. And many of us in this room have been touched by exactly what I'm talking about. And my question is, you know, what's the response of the church? Our response should be always to stand with truth. Why do we stand with truth? Because God is truth. And I'm asking this question. If... if if something that God said is being directly contradicted by the media or by higher education or by government, there should be a sense of righteous indignation inside of you that says, how dare you trample as sons and daughters of the Most High God? There should be like you're picking a fight with you. And I, I mean, we don't fight with flesh and blood. We don't fight with fists. 
but there should be a fight in you for the sake that if we lose truth, you lose God. And if you lose truth, you lose reality. Because only what is true is real. And if you lose touch with what's real, you live in a fairy tale world that has terrible results. Now, I shared with you last week that I was out at a conference, and I just talked about this at the, um, on our podcast this week with Pastor Andrew. This is the San Diego uh, school system's unbelievable assault on the kids. Uh, and I don't have time to read the whole thing, but I just want to read one paragraph. San Diego Unified, which is a government-run school in San Diego, has created a program of gender identity instruction with the explicit goal of undermining the traditional conception of sex and promoting a new boutique of sexual identities. Okay, let me just pause right there. Undermining the traditional conception of sex. Read between the lines. What is that? That is a direct assault on Christian morals and values that come from Scripture. That's what that is, just to be clear. The current LGBT uh, movement is a direct assault on everything Christianity teaches as normal. You just need to know that. There's no making friends in the camp and just going along. There's no compromise. It is a full frontal assault on biblical values. I'll highlight that. The promise to disrupt the oppressive new system of heteronormativity. Now, that's a nice big fancy word. All that means is the oppressive system of heteronormativity is marriage between a man and a woman. That's what that is. Does God say anything about that in the Bible? So this is a full-blown assault on traditional marriage and on, on gender. All right? There's no other way around it. Now, here's what's going on. Um, A series of curriculum documents encourage students to study the basic tenets of queer theory and then examine photographs of gender nonconforming role models. Gender nonconforming role models, including a woman with a beard, a boy in a dress, a teenage girl with a gender queer identity, a boy wearing a tiara, and an infant with a gender-neutral baby name. Now, this, is being, this type of curriculum is being placed on government schools all across America. And I just want to say something clearly here. Living Stones is not anti-public education. We're, we're anti-lies and disinformation and perversion. All right? Um, just to be clear, we have, we have at this church many, many administrators and teachers who are doing their very, very best in the public schools right now to provide godly example, great education, love the students. Please hear me. My father was a public school teacher for 36 years, all right, and made a massive impact for Jesus in the public schools. We also have a whole bunch of folks that are voting with their feet right now. Uh, If you're in a school district that is pushing this agenda down your throat, you have two options. You can change, get involved, run for school board, do something, get involved, raise, you know, show up at school board meetings and say, I object to this, or you vote with your feet. Now, let me just tell you, New York City has lost uh, over 100,000 students in the last two years uh, to the school system. We're going to see an absolute collapse of public education if we do not, if they're, if they're tone deaf to what's going on. And you've got to speak out because our, our goal is not to see the whole thing come crumbling down. Our goal should be transformation, reformation. Amen? Uh, we're all about options for people. But I'm just telling you, if that were being taught to your child and, and you lived in San Diego and that's the goal, what do you do as a Christian? Do you just put on your smiley face pen and subject your children to that indoctrination? How about, do you care about the glory of God? Do you care about the gospel? Do you care about things that are being taught, officially being taught, that go directly in opposition to the truth in God's word? Because let me tell you something. What good is your Christian faith if the gospel's being trampled before your eyes and you don't have the moral courage to speak out about it? I'm just asking. Is our gospel just a Sunday morning thing? Let's go to Genesis 1. We've been in verses 26 and 27. And I told you ideas have consequences. Let's just go back. God created. How many know the belief in the existence of God and the fact that he created human beings has a huge, huge uh, uh, emphasis on or, or impact on your identity as a person? If you're created by God... 
You have inherent worth and dignity. In fact, you're a masterpiece. You're a poem that's written by God for his glory. In fact, I, I told you, the earth is full of 8 billion people who are image bearers of God, which means not that you and I are fundamentally important. It means God's really important. Because all of you are statues, living stone statues that show forth the glory of God. So we either live in a world that is pregnant with the glory and greatness of God, full of meaning, purpose, identity, all of these things, or we live in a, in a strange new world that anything goes. If you don't believe in God, then everything I just shared is not true about you. You're not a masterpiece. You have no basis for, for value or worth. Uh, you have no identity apart from what you create yourself or however you feel or whatever the situation is. I mean, it sets you off on a really dangerous path. So the foundational belief there is a God and God has created is huge. But look at what it says next. He made us in his own image. That's radical. And he created them male and female. Say that with me. Male and female. Can we say it again? Male and female. He created them. Let's look at Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is the account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. So let me just pause right there. How many of you know you cannot have a clue about who you are unless you know what God is like because God made you like him? Can we just pause there? If you don't know God, you'll never figure out yourself. You'll be running around trying to find yourself for the rest of your life. Lots of luck. God said you, you are made to be like him. You better figure out what is God like because I'm created to correspond to God Almighty. Now look at what it says next. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. Now I'm trying to connect some dots here because good theology leads to good living. God says human, to be human is to be one of two options, male or female. Two options. Who made that up? God said that. How many genders? Two. Two. Male, female. If you're a human, you're divided into those two categories. Now, can I just tell you something? The devil hates everything about God, and everything about this movement that we're facing right now has an antichrist spirit behind it because it is designed to kick down all norms and to erase all boundaries. See, God, when God gives a boundary, it's not to oppress us, it's to liberate us. When God provides boundaries, it's if, if you live here, you'll experience life maximally. If you go outside the boundaries, you'll pay for it. Not because God's mean, but because that's not where God created you to live and act. That's not how you're, how you're supposed to live or act. So let me just help you. Like, if there's somebody today that says, well, I don't really identify with male or female, then I would say, please let us help you because you're confused. And you need to figure this out because it's foundational to a healthy identity as a human being. So that's the norm God has established. And let me just say something with you. Why does the devil go after our identity so much, why is he trying to destroy something as simple as male and female? I can't even believe I have to be preaching on this this morning. But this is everywhere. We have to reestablish that if you're a male here, there's, you're not a female, you're a male. If your plumbing is male, that's an indication that God created you to be masculine. And if your plumbing is female, it's, a, it's an idea that God designed your body and your identity to flow out of what it means to be a woman. And I can't believe I have to go here, but this is how dark our culture is today and how confused we are. But let me say, if God's made 8 billion people on planet Earth that are images of himself... Do you know why the devil hates you so much? Do you know why we pray for people at the altar? Because life is hard. You know why life is hard? Let me tell you why life is hard. Because you look like your father and the devil hates your dad. 
You look like your father, and the devil hates your dad. Every time he looks at you, he hates your guts because you're made in the image of God, and you're made to point to someone greater than yourself, and your life exists to magnify the greatness of God. And when the devil sees that in you, he hates you. So when God says male and female, I wish I had time to go into this, but I'm, I just want to correct some stupidity. And let me just say this. When I, last week, some people might have got up in arms, especially if this is your first time being exposed to me. <laughs> All right. People are not stupid, but ideas are stupid. People are valuable. Why? Because they're made in the image and likeness of God. But the ideas they have can be stupid. I highlighted stupidity like crazy last week. I have fun highlighting stupidity. It makes me feel more confident that I'm walking in the truth. How about you? So some ideas are stupid ideas, and they hurt people, all right? Let me give you an example of of a crazy, awesome, good idea. When the Bible says men and women are created in the image and likeness of God, it elevates women on the same plane in value and dignity as men. Why? Because they're made in the image and likeness of God. There are people, moronic people, that suggest that Christianity is oppressive to women. Christianity liberates women higher and, and more powerfully than any other worldview. Before God spoke the, before God spoke these words, all right, or shall I say, after the fall, every culture oppressed men oppressed women. Every culture. They took, we took advantage of our strength. We took advantage of, of, of our natural, uh, who we are as men. We dominated women. Every culture. Every culture. Every culture. Every culture. Most cultures treated women one step above an animal, some not even that. And then God comes along and says, women are made in the image of God. Elevates women to a place of dignity and beauty and honor and all of that. So when you hear these morons on the news... Talking about all of us Christians are want to oppress women. You go to every, every place where the gospel has gone on planet Earth. You take a look. I dare you. Take a look at a Hindu woman. Take a look at a Muslim woman. Take a look at an, athe- an atheistic, godless society like, like communist China. And you tell me what culture honors and dignifies and celebrates women the best. It'll be wherever the gospel has gone. That's where it celebrates. And it should be demonstrated in our churches as well. All right, I wish I could go there. Let's talk about the amazing gender blender. No, this is not a TV commercial. I'm not going to say something. Get your gender blender right now, 30% off. Nope. Everything I just talked about, male and female, is currently under assault. And And this is the line of reasoning. If there is no God, then the categories of male and female are simply gender constructs. They're they're culturally created social constructs. In other words, you Christian people that are oppressors, you guys created all this stuff, made it up, and now, so if we throw God out, then gender, it does not matter. Gender is not real. It's just a made-up thing. It's a social construct. Sex is objective. I'm either a male or female, but the problem is gender has been hijacked and it's now considered malleable. In other words, you can move it around. You can reshape it. It went from being biological to being psychological and based on self-perception. And so we're, we're in a situation right now where if a man who has a biology of a man actually feels like he's a woman, then because he feels like he's a woman means that he can become one. If a a woman feels like she's a man, she can become a man. Now, the question that we need to ask is, is that true? Is that right? Does that fit reality? Here's the key question. Is a trans woman, somebody who's born male, but really a man who is deluded into feeling that he's a woman, or on the other hand, is a trans woman really a woman who was born in the wrong body? So the question is, do we need, if, if my body doesn't line up with my insides, Do I fix my insides to match my body, or do I fix my body to match my insides? Now, what's the answer to that question according to to now? You fix your body to somehow adjust to look as you feel like on the inside. I shared with you before, though, that when a worldview is false, 
and the thinking is false and you believe a lie, eventually it gets exposed because it doesn't fit. Let me give you some examples. How many of you know people or have heard of the situation of anorexia nervosa, right? Anorexia nervosa, where people feel fat, but they're actually starving to death. Have you ever seen somebody that's dealing with that? There's skin and bones. There's, their flesh is just hanging on a skeleton. But their perception of their body when they look in the mirror is they feel fat. Now, let me ask you, what should, if we're going to follow the current line of thinking, what should we do for the person struggling with anorexia nervosa? We should celebrate their identity, and we should just help them starve to this, themselves to death, right? No, no, that's not how we treat people. We don't want anybody to starve themselves to death because they have a wrong perception of who they really are. We're going to help their perception line up with their body. And we're not going to celebrate them and say, yay, as they, as they literally starve themselves to death. What about people that are dealing with something called body dysmorphia? That's where they're convinced that a certain feature of their body, let's just say their nose, they don't like their nose, so they go have plastic surgery. They still think their nose is ugly. They have more plastic surgery. They still think their nose is ugly. And some of these people, because they have a wrong view of themselves, they never, ever like their nose. They're going to have 100 surgeries to fix their nose, and guess what? They'll go to their grave not liking their nose. So what do we do? Do we just say, here, we're going to provide government funds to have you go through your 100th nose surgery? until you can feel comfortable with your nose. No, we don't do that. We help them understand that their identity is probably different than they're currently seeing themselves. Here's something else, Garnt. There, there are people today that actually believe on the inside uh, that they're amputees, and so, but they have two normal arms, and so they will go to a doctor who will cut one of their limbs off because they don't want that limb because on the inside they feel like they're an amputee, but on the outside they have a perfectly healthy body. Now let me ask you a question. Who do you think is behind this sick, human being-destroying activity? It's the devil. He hates human beings. He will take a normal person, a healthy person, a healthy male, and convince them on the inside that they're in the wrong body. Now, let's just be honest with this as far as the reality behind it. Gender congruence is now regarded as being uh, an identity to celebrate I'm sorry, incongruence. Gender incongruence is an identity to celebrate rather than a condition to be treated. And if you tell the person, you know, you're really going against the design God has established, you are going to be called a bigot or worse, and the full weight of the establishment is going to come down on you. Do you know that most Christians self-censor on this issue because they know if they speak up, there's going to be hell to pay. Speak up anyway. Because the, the, the consequences of silence are going to be far worse than the consequences of standing up for truth. Let's talk about um, science here for a minute. You know, because here's the deal. There are some men who think they're women. There are some women who think they're men. And now there's a whole group of people who are called gender nonconformist or gender queer. Now, follow this with me. These are people who, don't, who are non-binary. They're not male or female. Now, let's just pause. Do we just validate that idea and say, well, bless your heart, that's great, you know, yeah, be true to yourself? Did God say anything about being gender non-binary? Is that an option? There's no such thing. You cannot be gender non-binary. Now, now listen, because they believe in gender fluidity, they might go to school as a girl. By lunchtime, they're now a man. By second hour or third hour, they're back to their female identity, and I'm supposed to know which pronoun to use. They're not a gender. They're, they're gender non-binary. They're, 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 they're queer. They're whatever they feel like they want to be, and we're supposed to conform all of reality to that fairy tale. Now, I was just out at a conference, as I shared, in San Diego. And one of the men that spoke does this amazing rescue work with, with men and women and children over that are in ISIS-controlled uh, countries that have been horribly treated. This dog is treated to go after the bad guy, trained to go after the bad guys, but it's trained to be gentle and tender with women and children because it's a, it's a comfort dog. On this dog is this vest that says all over this vest, do not pet. Because if you're the wrong gender this dog will hurt you, all right? If you're a male, don't pet the dog. 
If you're a female, it's cool. So this lady comes up and says, oh, can I pet your dog? And he says, ma'am, thank you for asking. Please go ahead and pet the dog. So she started petting the dog. Well, the guy she was with reached down to pet the dog, and he said, sir, please don't do that. You're going to regret it. When he said, sir, this man got up in this guy's face, who is a black belt in karate and teaches people worldwide, and starts going, how dare you? Uh, call me by my gender. How do you know what my gender is? How, do you, how dare you assign gender to me? You don't know what my pronouns are. Blah, blah, up in this guy's face. The guy gathered his composure for a minute, and he came up with an amazing Holy Spirit answer. He said, pet the dog. <laughs> he said, you pet the dog? And he'll decide what you are. <laughs> because here's, here's the truth. Here's the truth. I'm going to ask you a question. We, we get accused all the time of being non-scientific. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Follow the science. Follow the science. How'd that work, by the way, with the, with the last COVID thing? Follow the science. Well, this is never, never more out there and never more unscientific than you can possibly be. Because I'm going to ask you a biological question, scientific question, all right? This is not an opinion question. This is science. Can you change your sex? Absolutely impossible. You can change your appearance, but you can't change your sex. Most adults instinctively, intuitively, I would say by the fact that we're created in the image of God, we know that a binary division of humanity into male and female genders is really an objective reality. It's like hardwired into our nature. We get it. No amount of surgery can change a man into a woman or a woman into a man. Because here's why. You're either an XX or you're an XY, and that chromosomal pattern is set at conception, and those chromosomes are in nearly every cell of your body, which means every cell in your body has a sex, the one you were born with. And no matter whether a man's had all kinds of uh, stuff done to him, chemical treatments, wearing lipstick, long hair, whatever it is, if you take the guy's DNA sample, he's a man. If you take her DNA sample, she's a woman. And the dog can tell the difference. The dog knows the difference. I trust, trust me on that one. So here's the deal. We have surgeons who are artificially constructing, for instance, a woman who's transitioning, she wants a male, male part. Can I just tell you, that male part is not able to do anything. And, and I want you to see this, because this is sad. I, it's, it's, it's laughable, but it's sad. An artificially constructed genital does nothing. Nothing. It can't reproduce. There's no sexual pleasure. It's fake. And here's the, here's the bigger question. If you're the devil and human beings were created to come together in marriage and to reproduce, what are they reproducing? Image bearers. Then do you not think the devil is laughing his head off while he destroys a young person's ability to ever have children? Because they believed a lie about their gender identity that's being pushed on them from the youngest ages. And some of these children are having these surgeries when they're still in elementary school. And let me ask you this question. If that is not child abuse, if that medical professional should not be thrown in jail for that, if that parent, you talk about, you talk about the DCS coming in, that's an occasion for DCS to come in. You, what in the world are you doing as a parent when you're allowing your kid to mutilate their genitals when they're not even out of elementary school yet? This is perverted and sick. And I'm telling you, I had a parent up here today with tears coming down her cheeks. She had been on her daughter's phone, and there's all this kind of fishing going around regarding lesbianism and, uh, and all of that. Uh, she's, a, she's in elementary school. 
Why in the world are kids being introduced to all this perversion? I'll tell you why. Because the goal is you're a sexual creature. You need to express your sexuality however you want to. Your mom and dad are the enemies. In fact, heteronormativity is the enemy. Uh, and you need to be whatever you want to be and don't listen to your pastor, don't listen to your parents, don't listen to anybody. Uh, and this is being happening, especially in our urban areas where kids are being groomed to lose their identity. And sometimes it's with lifelong consequences, and that is tragic. So I'm asking you the question, should we be talking about this in church right now? Yes. Do, you care, do you care about your kids? Do you care about the glory of God? Do you care about what's happening in the public arena? You know, we just can't run and hide from it. We've got to address it. We've got to talk about these things. We need to be going. I had another parent tell me, Let me sh- I'm going to bring some of the stuff that's being taught uh, in my kids' curriculum at school. You won't believe it. We have got to start speaking up on these issues uh, or we're going to lose a whole generation of young people. Absolutely lose them. All right. Some people say this. When a doctor announces it's a boy or it's a girl, they're assigning sexual identity. And doctors can't do that. They're not supposed to do that. In fact, let me just tell you, there, there's a, a, an incredibly gifted woman at our church who works in Chicago at a high-skill, high-level hospital, uh, working with uh, prenatal, uh, you know, infants. And she told me this is what she has to deal with, okay? Uh, number one, the doctors aren't assigning gender anymore because that, uh, that's somehow oppressive. It's, it's a binary in a non-binary world. But here's the crazy thing she had to endure uh, within the last month. We had a woman transitioning to be a man. We had a man transitioning to be a woman. And somewhere in the process of all that, they created a child. So now you have a woman who actually thinks she's a man. She's got facial hair. And she's breastfeeding. Now, just, just to help you guys out again. Men don't breastfeed. It's a possibility. The kid's going to starve to death if they try that. That doesn't work. We got nothing to offer. Men don't have babies. Some of you guys, she was saying, hallelujah. Because that... <laughs> it is impossible for me to have a baby. But these people were so set on their ideology that if you didn't call them the right pronouns, they went off. So now we got the bearded lady breastfeeding. We got the guy over here who thinks he's a woman, who's actually feeling pretty good because he didn't deliver. I guess it was the male that delivered, so she's recovering. But anyway, this is a freak show. And we're supposed to take it seriously. And now we have to, I had enough trouble in English getting the right pronouns when they were just male and female. Now I have to, now I got to know pronouns for whatever you feel like you are. And if I don't celebrate you and call you a G or G, then I'm in trouble. Are you guys nuts? Do you want to live? Is this the world you want to live in? Is this how you want to operate in the public arena? Okay, say, Pastor, are you, are you no, no, okay, I'm, I'm going to prove it to you all, all you hard believers, not, not trusting your pastor on this one. I'm, I'm loaded with evidence today. I'm not just talking off the cuff. This was from a school system teaching LGBTQ intersectional equity training. The goal, make every LGBTQ student feel seen and celebrated. Now, notice the difference there. Not just seen, we treat people with respect. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Celebrated. If you're not celebrating the charade, you're in trouble. And you could be fired. Provide advocacy and resources to LGBTQ youth, educators, and allies. That means there are people in the school designed to help these students become LGBTQ. That's what advocacy means. It has nothing to do with parents. Here's the one that gets me. Facilitate self-reflection of one's own prejudice. Because if you have any problem with this student acting the way that they are, the problem is you're prejudiced. It's your problem. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were celebrating living our inner feelings. It only goes one direction. 
They don't care about your inner feeling. What happened to all this? I celebrate your courageous boldness for being who you are and authentically expressing who you are. Does that apply to Christians? Use gender-inclusive language like folks, humans, hey, learners. <laughs> Introduce yourself with affirmed pronouns and do so for others. Oh, this one. Avoid gendering students in activities like let the girls line up first, let the girls eat first. Mm -mm -mm. Can't do that anymore. What happened to just teaching men to be gentlemen? and to honor women. Display posters and art that represent LGBTQ culture. And on the first day, read each student's last name and ask, ask the name that they would like to use. Because you can't assume that the name that their mom and dad gave them is the one that they want to use. Can anybody understand, just connect some dots, why is there currently a teacher shortage? Hmm. Can't figure that one out. Who wants to try to navigate this brave new world of fair, fantasy and fairy tale? Who wants to live in this world? We're supposed to be teaching students reading, writing, and arithmetic, and this, we're teaching them all kinds of perverted sexual things going on now in our classroom. God says this, binary is beautiful. He, after he created men and women, he didn't say it was good. You ready for this? He said it was very good. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go with God on this one. In other words, he says sexual differentiation, males and females, the differentiation between the two is morally good. Here's the truth. Men and women are biologically different, which explains why some behavioral differences are rooted in our genes. And I put in my notes, no pun intended, all right? Uh, it's rooted in our genes, not our blue genes, but our other genes. I am so grateful my wife is made to correspond and compliment me, not to compete with me, or not to be me. She's a woman. I'm a man. Hallelujah. She was sitting on the couch one day. I was on the floor with four of my sons. We were wrestling, throwing each other. My little kid's doing flying knee slams in the dad's back, you know, breaking the ribs and all kind of stuff. And she looks down at the floor with me in the midst of all this mayhem. And she says, you know what? I never once in all my life have ever desired to do that. <laughs> Is that because it's a social construct? We warped her brain somewhere along the line. Her, her mom gave her a doll when she was little. From the earliest ages, I've seen my girls holding dolls, nurturing. It's, it's wired in their DNA. Now, I'm not saying every woman is a cookie cutter and every guy is a cookie cutter, but how many of you know, if you look in your drawers and you figure out what plumbing you've been given, it's, an, it's a key into the identity God has for you. If you're a woman, then be the greatest woman for God that you can possibly be. Learn from other women. If you struggle, please hear me, if you struggle with identity or there's an attraction to the same sex. We're all broken and fallen, all right? We don't all deal with the same sin. But be open with what you're struggling with and recognize it's an attack on your identity. It's not something you should embrace. Why are we having a, a pandemic of students now who are all coming out, who are all embracing all kinds of craziness. Why? It's not because it's actually uh, been the truth from the beginning. It's because we're actually living a lie and encouraging kids to explore all kinds of perverted things. In other words, if God's put a sign up, schools are saying, kick it down. Kick it down. Be whoever God's called you, or be whoever you want to be, rather. Do what you want to do. Sex is all about pleasure. Just do whatever makes you feel good. No boundaries, no structure, no no design, no order. Just do it. And then we wonder why young people are so confused and in such a state of uh, psychological uh, pain and problems, confusion in their minds and hearts. You know, God made me to correspond with my wife. Again, I can't believe I'm having it. This is like basic health class here, all right? You guys ready? For us to come together, compliment each other, not compete, compliment each other, and that our union would produce life. 
And when life comes forth, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. Have you noticed? Okay, so, so now we're mutilating kids' genitals, which is for, forever leaving them with an inability to procreate. And if you've noticed on the opposite side, abortion is a sacred right. The devil will not allow us to create a culture of life without a fight because he wants to kill people made in the image and likeness of God. I want you to see the spiritual dynamic behind it. He hates you. He hates your kids. He hates your grandkids. He hates legacy. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a multi-generational God of blessing. He wants blessing to flow through your family line, and the devil wants to cut it off every chance he can get. Cut it off because he hates you. And if we play around with areas where God has clearly made a boundary, if you play around and you color outside the lines, you will pay for that. Not because God's the paymaster, it's because the devil is the paymaster and because you've chosen to ignore when God has spoken clearly. So as for me and my house, we're not going to play the game ever play the game, not going to bend to that game because people matter, truth matters, God matters, and we're just not going to do it. Now, let me show you the problem. I'm going to build you one other case because i got a little more time here. Man, we got extra parking today. This is so great. All right. Y'all getting something out of this. All right. Matthew chapter 19. How many of you believe in Jesus? How many of you think when Jesus speaks, we should listen? All right. I'm just setting you up. Jesus said, haven't y'all read the scriptures? Okay, we'll stop right there. How many of you think Bible reading might be important? Have, have y'all read the scriptures? He's, he wanted to say, yes, Jesus, we're reading the scriptures, all right? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and, uh, and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Notice in there Jesus affirmed a number of things. Two genders, complementary in nature, a man leaving his family, cleaving to his wife, and sexual intercourse, forming a new family, a new covenant. Out of that covenant relationship, life keeps coming forth. The generations keep coming forth. God keeps being glorified. Who said that? Hey, lovers of Jesus in here then whenever culture comes in conflict with Jesus, I'm with Jesus. A few years back, we were on a national television program, and uh, the lady said to me, well, around our parts, we value Sigmund Freud's teaching. Sigmund Freud was a mixed-up pervert. That's the, that's the best synopsis I can have for, for Freud. For Freud, your whole identity centered around sex. And I said, well, in these parts... We value Jesus more than Freud. I loved it. My favorite quote in the whole interview. And it made the final cut. I was so excited. <laughs> Telling the world that we value Jesus' opinion more than anybody else's opinion. So I, I'm asking you personally this morning, do, do you value Jesus' opinion about, about sex and about how God created people? Do you value that more than the pressure you're going to get out in the world? And do you value it enough that you'll actually stand with Christ in public, not just in church? I mean, these are hard questions. I'm not being cute here this morning. These are hard questions. I've talked to some of you. You said, man, if I do that in my workplace, I'm gone. Maybe it's time to go. Because you know what? If we cave with moral cowardice, the whole culture goes to hell. If we cave with moral cowardice, the whole culture goes to hell. If you think we can hide in our churches and this is not going to impact our lives, listen to me. Some of you, I'm still trying to convince. I can see your faces. I deal with real people right here after the service weeping because of what their kids are going through right now. There's nothing more terrifying than for your son or daughter to be so twisted in their thinking, so alienated from their mom and dad who love them, so brainwashed by the system that you have a zombie living in your home. 
So just keep pretending like what I'm saying is not real and you're not going to be touched because you love Jesus and you go to living stones. Oh no, if we don't take care of the culture, that you will be touched. Your children will be touched. We'll be praying for your children at the altar and you might have these horrific situations that are happening because you kept silent when you needed to speak because you believe the lie that as Christians we just need to be nice. Being nice is not watching a teenager mutilate their genitals and forever, ever, ever, never being able to go back because they believed a lie and it destroyed their identity. Quickly here. Quickly, quickly. Two things that, that are lies about the LGBT ideology. Number one, it disparages the human body. It says that your body doesn't matter. I've heard people say, oh, it's just a piece of flesh hanging between your legs. That's how they explain their masculinity. God made your body. It's amazing. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen to me. Our job is to steward it for the glory of God. That means I take care of my body. I don't hate my body. I don't hate the way I was made. I embrace who God made me, and I'm, I steward this. Listen, I don't worship it. I don't stand in the mirror. No, no, no. I don't worship it. I take care of it. Y'all understand the difference. But here's what it also does. It puts a wedge between your body and your feelings and emotions. Now listen, you cannot be a healthy person unless your mind and your emotions and your spirit are all working together. I need to say that again. You're not a healthy person if your psychology is fighting your biology. You're divided. If you're in this room, let me just say this. We're running out of time. Everybody will not get married on planet Earth. And you know what? That's okay. Everybody's not called to get married. I just say that sex is not the center of our existence, only in America. But it's an idol. I have amazing relationships with many, many men in this room, dear friendships where I can share my guts, where it, like military friendships like David and Jonathan had, where you were saying, you know what? I would be in the same foxhole with that guy, and I, I'd, I'd die with that guy. Everybody, guys, you know what I'm talking about. But never once has the thought come into our minds that we're, we're to engage in sex with each other. That's the perversion. There are women in this room who have amazing relationships with other ladies. Dearest of friends, share your heart. Sometimes we even share apartments together, share houses together. The assumption is not that you're having sex with that person. That's the perversion. Men were made to have amazing relationships with other men, and women were made to have amazing relationships with other women. And you don't have to have sex in the ingredients. In fact, sex perverts it all. We have the most life-affirming worldview. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have incredible relationships in this church with one another. And I just want to say this. The reason I told you to bring your A game to church, meaning let's bring our praise, is because, listen, I hope we become a magnet for a sexually confused culture. Because yes. yeah. this is not we're against gay people. That, no, 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 that's not the message. We are for people made in the image of God. Yeah. And we want to see people who are trapped in lies get delivered by the power of Jesus and get healed on the inside. Amen? That's what we're for. And only Jesus could heal a wounded and broken and twisted human heart. But he can, he can minister to the deepest part of us, and he can set people free from sexual bondage and addiction. And I just want to say this again loudly and clearly. I want to make sure you're with me. In a world that's, that's bound by the droves of people who are experiencing sexual brokenness, is it okay if we invite those people to our church? Yes. I actually, when I was a youth pastor, I actually had a parent come to me. We had a special meeting, and they said, uh, we have to take our kids out of the youth group. And I said, why? What happened? Um, we found out that there are non-Christian kids coming to this youth group. I said, time out. I thought that's why we existed, was to help non-Christian kids come to know Jesus, not to be a little echo chamber. So I'm just telling you, we, 
if we're, if we're all in on this, we can't be moving in fear and clutching our children. No, we need to be saying, hey, it doesn't matter where you've come from. Jesus is big enough to transform your life because you're valuable to God. You're made in his image. He's got a purpose for you. And only he can untwist and reshape what has been perverted and twisted by the world. And if they can't come to the church, if they can't come to people here who are so full of life, so full of hope, where in the world are they going to go? Where in the world are they going to go? I don't have time to get here, but I just want to say this. I listed at the end of this message, what's at stake? Here's what's at stake. I listed at least six biblical beliefs that are now considered discriminatory if we come under the, the banner of the LGBT ideology. What I just preached today will absolutely get us silenced. Pastor, why are we going here? Because your life's at stake, because your kids are at stake, because your nation's at stake, and most importantly, the glory of God is at stake. His glory is worth fighting for. And I'm just encouraging you, let's fight together. Let's know the truth. Stand up to the truth. You're not standing alone. But if you keep silent in the day of trouble, if you think it's not coming into the church, you're believing a lie. First it's hitting the marketplace. But the next wave's crashing on the church. And just look at Canada and just look at Europe. If you want a harbinger of what's coming to America, if we don't have the guts to stand up, all right? Stand on your feet. I want to pray for you. And let me just say this. We have a team, in fact, come on up, that will pray with you, love you, minister to you. If you don't know Christ today, or, or please hear me, if you're struggling with gender confusion or you're dealing with same-sex attraction or whatever that is, it's just trying to trip you up then please say, you know what, I need to get some prayer. I want to be free from this. If it's just a spirit of lust or perversion on your life, if it's pornography, if it's anything, it's much broader than that. You might be here today and you just need healing in your body. Please come down. Whatever it is, if you don't know Christ today, I'm I'm, I'm pleading with you to submit your life to Jesus Christ and discover who you were meant to be. So, Father, I I pray for our church. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with courage, Lord. Fill us with moral integrity to stand and to have the courage to open our mouths and to declare the good news of the gospel. You created us, male and female. What a beautiful thing. I pray for every woman in this place that she would maximize and flourish in her femininity. For every male in this place that we would be men of God and that we would embrace the call to be a man. Father, help us to be a beacon of light in a confused and dark world. Father, we, as we leave here, we're on assignment. We're, we're, we're heading out to our mission. I pray for boldness in the marketplace and boldness, Lord, with our neighbors. And wherever we go, God, that we would lovingly but clearly share the good news about Jesus and about the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege of being together today. Bless our people now as they go. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, have an amazing week. We love you all.